When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapers, welcome to a brand new edition of the Geekscape Podcast. This is a special edition, in case you haven't uh, noticed, Wonder Woman came out, and whenever a major comic book movie or TV series comes out, or there's just a giant event, like maybe a big comic book crossover, I go to the source and invite him onto the show, that would be Ian Kerner, who helps me explain everything. In this case, he and I are going to be mansplaining uh, Wonder Woman, a term that I don't necessarily like. I don't think that mansplaining is, uh, maybe I'm the wrong guy to criticize it, but uh, I, I don't. I think I think it's like a uh, using a mallet on a you know on a very small nail whenever it's used. It's uh, well, look, it, it, it's a horrible term. I it's mean, a it's completely term. sexist, and that's the idea of it. And, and we're not really sexist guys, but here we have two guys that are going to sit together and just talk about Wonder Woman. I can't and, help you know, it. Yeah. Hey, I wish it, it wasn't so. Uh, and you know what? If you listen to the show, uh, my good friend Ashley Robinson and I do talk about. Uh, Wonder Woman on the Geekscape podcast, and she's really awesome and very knowledgeable, and uh, and and you know can tell you the geek history of all of that stuff. Uh, but we've been doing this for over ten years, Ian and I, and I can't change his sex. Uh, he probably can't without a lot of pain change mine. And we loved this movie, so we're just gonna have to tell you about it. Um, and we're going to get into the nitty gritty. So this is where I warn you guys that if you haven't seen Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman movie, A, it opened big. Don't know why you haven't seen it yet. But we are going to go big on the spoilers uh, for B. So um, I really hope you guys saw this movie before you listen past this point because Ian and I are going to go spoiler city on this thing. Uh, real quick, I just want to talk about our sponsors. LootCrate.com is a big one for us. We They've been with us a long time. Go to LootCrate.com slash Geekscape, put in the promo code Geekscape, and you can get a discount on your subscription to any of those Loot Crate boxes. Uh, I recently got a, a Loot Anime box, and it had a manga in it called Parasite, which I'd heard about. I'd never read it. The manga came in. I started reading it. Really, really cool manga about... Uh, these things that get into your body and start to transform you. And one person actually, uh, the main, main character actually cuts off the circulation of his arm when the thing jumps into his hand. And so the parasite doesn't take over his brain and completely transform him. And it just takes over his arm. So now he has to work together with his arm, which is possessed by this parasite and has all these powers to, I think, hunt down all the other alien parasites. Uh, and eliminate them. It's pretty cool. It's a really cool manga, and I got it through my loot anime. So go to lootcrate.com slash... Uh, Geekscape, put in the promo code Geekscape, and cool stuff like that can come to you every single month. 
I also want to tell you guys that the last episode of the Geekscape podcast in which we were up in Stowe, Vermont, the Stowe Story Labs, we were talking all things screenwriting. And there are a lot of screenwriters out there listening to Geekscape. Uh, we love you. And the Stowe Story Labs loves you. So if you guys are interested in attending the Stowe Story Labs, they've actually extended to Geekscape listeners a discount. So the applications are now being accepted uh, for the September Lab. And uh, that's September 9th through 12th. And the application deadline is on midnight at July 16th. So if you have a screenplay or uh, an outline, go to, uh, go to the website and uh, check them out, the Stowe Story Labs. And, uh, and they've got a couple of fellowship, uh, fellowships available. I got a fellowship, so uh, maybe you'll be able to cut down the cost. Regardless, you should apply if you're a screenwriter because it's been an amazing experience. Um, they will give you a discount, 15% discount with the promo code GEEKLAB. So that's only for Geekscape members. If you're a screenwriter and you want to go and hang out with the two Davids at the Stowe Story Labs, it's a great life-changing opportunity. Uh, There's a ton of industry-respected advisors there that will help you with your script and take it to the next level. Again, the promo code for 15% off is GEEKLAB. So take advantage of that. The deadline for submitting your application materials is July 16th, so get on it. All right. We're going to talk Wonder Woman. Ian's here. Um, where should we start, Ian? Because uh, this is a movie that we've been anticipating for a long time. Granted, with the last couple outings of the DC Cinematic Universe, I think it might have tempered some of our expectations. There was rumors out of Warner Brothers that the movie was uh, troubled. That tempered some expectations. But then, in the last few weeks, in the last couple months... People have started to see the final movie, and they were not. Uh, the, the reviews that were saying, the people who were saying that it was not good, we started hearing otherwise. We started hearing that it was actually good. Then we started hearing that it was really good. And then people started saying it was great. And by the time I sat down with my popcorn and my drink to watch this movie, my expectations were pretty high. I actually recall asking you to go, and you were like, no, no, no. Yes. I've heard it's bad, so I'm not going to bother paying full price. I have to I heard it was bad for so you long. Know? And, and I literally, and you know, and our friend Justin and I said, what, the, what is he even talking about? Yeah. Like, it, it, it's Wonder Woman, you know, you're going to go see the movie. What does I'm that even mean? I'm definitely going to go see the movie. But um, look, you know, I hate to get on the bandwagon of, of hating on Zack Snyder, you know? Yeah. Um, Especially but, like that story about him, like and yeah, Joss Whedon, and the, he, no, no, notwithstanding that yeah. stuff. I mean, th- this movie was clearly a lot less him. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Patty Jenkins who made the movie that she wanted to make. Um, one of the things I heard that's really you can see it in the movie. One of the reasons the movie's so good is, you know, part of the filmmaking process, unfortunately, at the studio level, is studio notes, a lot of you know weird edits, that kind of thing, and. There's no deleted scenes in this movie. This is the movie she made. It's all there. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's what you're hearing. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this movie survived the process to have a, a, a singular vision. Um, I love the movie. There are some quibbles. We'll get into them. Mm-hmm. But I still loved the movie. I can't believe... Know? I mean, I can believe they pulled it off because there are a lot of talented people behind this movie. But through the trials and tribulations this character has had in getting to the big screen or just getting to the silver screen in the right. recent years. Just how much they've been trying to develop this Wonder Woman character for a wide audience. The fact that not only did it make it to the big screen, but it made it to the big screen in a great form, I think is one of the biggest accomplishments of it. I mean, it's awesome. I, I really did love the movie. 
And of course, we're geeks. We have our quibbles. But the movie just works. Look, I'll tell you. I mean, I think it works for everybody. But as a geek, you know, um, it resonated with me even deeper, the certain things. Why is that? um, Well, I mean, look. Like, this as a geek like, or as a man, I mean, because I think this movie, like, seeing the dude, women watch this movie is awesome. Dude, dude. Yeah. The scene yeah. where she's going up the ladder and you, she's, you're first going to get the reveal of the outfit. Mm-hmm. Okay? I had goosebumps. And, and I said this to, to a buddy of ours. I said it to Ryan, who hadn't seen it yet. And he's like, well, we've already seen the outfit in Dawn of Justice. And, you know, you've seen it everywhere. So it's like, no, but it's this culmination of she's about to become Wonder Woman. And it's just, it's just, it's shot so well, you know, that, that moment, you feel it. The filmmaking, you know, in, in that moment of the movie was just so, and, and again, as a geek, it's like, you know, it just, it brings it up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I really like that um, her powers are developing over the course of the movie. Yeah, she's strengthening you know, yeah, yeah, over yeah. the course of the movie, right? Things that make me think about how, okay, this is a script that was not messed with. I'm like the you know little things that since she's a little girl, Antiope is you know, always commenting to her about you know it's you know, pretty much that she's holding herself back that she has the power that's there, and that's tight. You know I had to worry you know early on where you know Apollo is not telling her the truth, and you know you start worrying because we've seen this happen. Oh, so too many studio movies, the dangling plot threads. It all pays off. Yeah, you know, and it all comes to make sense. You know. Oh, she has to steal the sword to the god killer. It's not the god killer. She's the god killer. She is so important. She's handled with kid gloves, even because on a certain level, Apollo thinks that, you know, holding her back is forestalling, uh, you know. The return of, the return of Ares. Of Ares yeah. and, and all of it, and his ultimate victory. I mean, I think we're sort of led to believe, what if he does turn her, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love all that stuff. Look. The Thamer Sarah stuff was Awesome. What I was about to say to you on Straight that. Straight up just awesome. When they were doing it right, I was like, no, this I think is what we're I was about hands. to say to you. From early on, when I, any scenes I've seen, you know, any trailers, what have you, I've always said, I know I'm going to love the Thim Sarah stuff. Yeah. There was no doubt. It just looked so great. You know, to have Connie Nielsen, to have Robin Wright, like, it, was, it just looked awesome. I never had any doubt that stuff would be great. Because you could just see they did it right. I did not expect love. The World War One stuff. I was <laughs> saying all along, my attitude was, oh, look, you know, as fans, you know, we know that, well, Wonder Woman was around, you know, during, you know, in World War Two comic-wise. And then as, you know, fans of a certain age, we remember the series, the television show with Linda Carter, and it was originally set in World War Two. So the World War Two thing was there. And so when I heard World War One, my first thought was, oh, they don't want to be compared to Captain America the first Avenger, so they're doing World War One instead of World War Two, and they still got the inevitable comparison because they're still doing the war thing. However, the Ares plot, particularly considering it was this whole idea that he's bringing war to the whole world, World War One, the war to end all wars, the big one. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it made perfect sense, and it was absolutely great. Yeah. Moreover, and a lot of people are saying this. Usually, you have the token love interest, and it's whatever you, you get through it. No, Chris Pine was awesome in this movie. Yeah, the writing was really strong on all sides. Everything about them, you know, the you know the relationship, you know, the meet cute, all of it. It was so good. The, the humor was great. It was yeah. really, really funny. You really felt it. You felt chemistry. I mean, one of the biggest problems ultimately from this movie is 
how the hell do you do the sequel without him? <laughs> and, 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 and likewise, not enough out of candy. She was awesome. You yeah. want so much more. And you heard the rumor that he they were offered they offered him Green Lantern, but he was doing Star Trek and he couldn't commit, so they were like play Steve Trevor and Warner Brothers just really wanted to have him. Um, he was awesome. The, the the scene in which he's doing uh, taking that bath in the Viscera right. and he's got the watch and yeah. just the the, right. the camera plays. I mean, Patty Jenkins put the camera in all the right places in yes. this movie. Yes. Action scenes, dramatic scenes, comedic scenes. You know the big the scenes with the big scope, the small intimate scenes. She was doing. All of it right. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, I mean, quibbles, stylized, slow-mo stuff, a little bit much of that. Until um, the action sequences? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I also felt, relative to some other big movies, the CG was not as good as some. Again, I'm right. quibbling, but, you know, small issues. But, I, but they were there. You know, in a movie like this that, that's so hyped up and you have so much writing on it, you know, and, and again, like I can't overstate how awesome it felt to see women enthusiastically going and little girls going enthusiastically going to the theater. Oh yeah, to see this movie and and like watching their faces and just how much this movie means. Yeah, uh, well, we'll go back to early awesome. movie to have it. To, I thought it was brilliant. The, the little girl was great. Awesome, she was so great. And I was literally sitting there, and I said to my buddy afterwards, who was going to go with his family, I said. I mean, I know your daughter's already excited, but wait till she sees this little girl. Mm-hmm. She's going to lose her mind. Right. Because it's like, it's every little girl that has to watch that part of the Have movie. Have you seen the movie like, twice now? No, I've only okay. seen it once. Oh, yeah. But every little, it's like, it's like literally like, oh my God, that's like exactly what you want. What girl didn't do that? Like, what girl didn't well, pretend to be Wonder Woman spinning around like Linda Carter? Like, like you know what I mean? I think it depends on the age. Well, sure, but, but yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. is like, but, everybody... No, but no, the point is, what girl... Going forward, isn't going to want to be Absolutely. this Gal Gadot and that little girl, right? Um, the first, and that's just it. And, and so it's so empowering. Yeah. That... And, 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 and speaking of that, I, I love, and, and we've seen this in, in many of the comic adaptations. But the whole, first of all, like she, just the even the, the concept because she's just so capable mm-hmm. that you know to to come into this world and especially in that time when you know women are so talked down to and so. Come on, second class citizens. Some pretty awesome scenes there when she finally gets to England. Yeah, that was yeah, awesome. Exactly, that's uh-huh. exactly where I'm going. It's like, and she's like, "What are you? What are you even talking about? Even down to the fashion stuff. And how do I fight in this? You and know?" When and, she calls the guys, when she calls them cowards. Yeah. When she calls the general cowards, yeah, she's yeah. like, "Hey, listen, the generals where I come from are on the battlefield with their soldiers." Right. Right. It's pretty awesome. awesome. Uh, it, it, you know, even though they're setting it in World War One, the fact that it's, it has a lot of modern implications uh, is either a testament to the writer. To the writing staff, or it's a in a in a, also a testament to, um, you know, how a lot of these struggles are still universal <laughs> for, yeah. for women, and yeah, and probably both, but they handled it really well, and it didn't get preachy, in no, my estimate. Like, like, in, I never felt like it was getting preachy. I always felt like it was uh, celebrating the character, celebrating women, celebrating it, power. It does, the, the, you know, the power. Of it and um, and really celebrating the character. I, that's what I loved about it is that it it, it never got a high horse. It never uh, it it still felt like something that very much guys could enjoy and should enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first of all, was it obvious to you about Thulis? It was to me. Yes, um, it was, and we're going to get to that because that's a quibble of mine. Yeah, 
Um, the the Aries stuff towards the end of the movie is very much a quote. Yeah, like, literally, he comes on screen and instantly, I, and I turned to someone I was with. I was like, "Yeah, no, yeah, let's put, <laughs> please not bad guy." No, <laughs> um, I I get it. I get the yeah. uh, I get the need to put Aries at the end of this movie, but, um, but I'm just literally saying that knowing that Thulis was actually going to be the bad guy, right? You know, like right away, like oh, I'll help you out. I was like, no, this is the bad guy. It ca- it, it it muddies a mo- it muddies a story that for me is very clean in the majority of it. In the mm-hmm. majority of it, the characters are so clear and so clean. They handle the romantic interests so well. Yes, um, and. And I really love the Danny Houston Doctor Poison stuff. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to see all the Doctor Poisons at Comic Con. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a great costume. Yeah. Um, I felt like towards the end of the movie, having a hulked up Danny Houston and a Doctor Poison who may have an ability to weaken Diana would have been enough of villains for me. The Aries stuff. It it really hold on. It, it, the Aries stuff for me. Um, I, I didn't need it. I could have used Ares in a sequel, because let's face it, World War II does happen, and what happens to Diana's belief in Ares being the end all, say all of man's need for war uh, when another global war falls out twenty years later, uh, and then well, well wait, wait, I, I want to talk about World War II. Well, we will imminently, but 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 I also he, didn't he, think that it was consistent with with the guy working in British intelligence and the whole funny thing about hey, I got to get off the phone, and he's kind of doing a comedic oh. There goes that Steve Trevor again. Bizzle yeah. bang me. He's the god of war, the, Ian. The, 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 He's the god that, of war. That's the part I didn't like. The part of having Ares ultimately be in it, I didn't have a problem with. And I'll tell you, your suggestion of holding Ares to the next movie, for me, would have been the equivalent of the problems I had with Guy Ritchie's first Sherlock Holmes movie, which mm-hmm. in the first one was pretty good. They were both decent. But you wanted to see Moriarty. But, no, the problem was that the whole movie led to... Oh, at the end, oh, it's actually Moriarty. You know, yeah, that, that was bullshit. So the suggestion of it's all leading to this bad guy that you don't even get in the movie, now, you know. Well, for me, just leading to the defeat of the Germans in World War One and the defeat of the Doctor and this uh, general who is hell-bent on having a war regardless of an armistice being signed felt like enough of an ending for me. And knowing that, uh, that Ares is still there and influencing the world of man, especially if you, since you know there's been nothing but war in the 21st century. So here's the thing. You have to really think about what the message was there in the movie. And some of the message that, yes, Ares has influenced man, but Diana had this real, too pure view of man. And Steve taught her properly that, you know, we do make mistakes, we have our weaknesses, all that. So the fact that World War II happens anyway, even if Ares is dead and destroyed, the fight is constant. It never goes away. Diana's actually fighting for our better nature. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with that. My issue, when we start talking about World War II and things like that, and I believe Patty Jenkins actually commented on this, because the setup of Diana's character in Dawn of Justice, the, this idea that, oh, she's been gone for 100 years... Patty Jenkins pretty much said bullshit. Diana yeah, it's problematic. That. Yeah, it's so, so I think they're going to just ignore it and say, yeah, no, not really. Um, Bruce knows. <laughs> Bruce well, has well, noticed. No, but, but again, right. here's the thing: is why would she care that there's proof that she's been around? So what? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of me, I'm fucking immortal. You right. know, no shit. And and it was a good. She's point. not trying to hide like some secret identity. And it's you a good know, point that that was a glass plate image because it would have survived the gassing of that town. Yeah, fine. Because a part of me was like, wait, the gas the town, how'd the image get out? Right. But, but, but again, 
going, you know, having seen that in, in, in Dawn of Justice and, you know, my understanding was the whole thing with the picture and all that came later into Dawn of Justice as we were already filming Wonder Woman. Yeah, we were it. just trying to come up with a way to, to make it work. And for me, it's one of the weakest aspects because I just don't buy it. You know, at least at, at the end, it's post-Dawn of Justice, so she's taken off in the outfit. But I feel for continuity's sake, what we're led to believe is it's not that she hasn't been doing stuff for the last hundred years. She just hasn't been getting as directly involved. Yeah, she's been doing it in but, secret. But, 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 but I kind of feel like that idea is antithetical to exactly the lesson that she learned from Steve, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what she struck back with. So I love this movie, and I want to forget about that idea. I, don't, I agree with Patty Jenkins. I don't even want to think about this idea that, you know, she should have been running around all along. And now I'm going to get to another aspect of it that is a quibble that you and I had, well, we had many in Dawn of Justice. The code name. She never calls herself Wonder Woman. No one ever calls her Wonder Woman. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not the, oh, let's call him Superman. No one names her. She's not known. And yet, you know, when we get in Dawn of Justice, it's literally, you know, you have the insignia. And speaking of that, you know, one of the stupid little new 52 leftover touches that they had in the movie was the stupid upper arm bracelet with the W on it. Why? Mm-hmm. Doesn't make any sense to me. Moreover, and I'm reminded of, you know, Rucka just this past week in the Wonder Woman annual did a, a short story showing the first time the Trinity of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman first come together and they meet her. And it, it's such a good story. If you haven't read it yet. Okay. It's, it's so good. Recommended. Yeah. And, but but there's, there's, there's this great little piece about Batman, like, has already seen her and analyzing her. And he points out, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, her armor, her outfit, like, you know, it has this, you know, Greco-Roman influence, all that, with some American iconography. And it's like, yeah, why would it have anything that's remotely American? You mm-hmm. know, it's like, it, it kind of doesn't make any sense. Right. You know? She's so, a global hero. Yeah, yeah a little quick. an ancient H- hero. Having said that, she looks amazing. You cannot yeah. say enough about Gal Gadot. Oh, she's fantastic. It was you awesome. Know, she, she had said early on in casting that she was a little bit self-conscious because there were, I guess there were a lot of people commenting that she wasn't buxom enough. What? Yeah. It, well, I remember the first casting was like that she's, uh, she's light, she's small, you know, but this is somebody who worked in the... You know, she was in the Israeli army. Like, she's... she's not small. She's tall. She's tall. Wonder Woman was, has... Oh, I, think, so, I think people wanted a cage fighter. Occasionally, they've had someone be a little brawnier, but right. classically not. Every now and then, someone draws her a little bit more muscular. Right. But she usually has not been drawn overly muscular. And when she can deflect bullets with her wrists, when she can jump yeah. a building... Like, Really? Yeah. How does she need to be brawny? Superman doesn't need to be brawny. It's yeah. kind of silly that, that he is brawny, you know, because they, he should have a swimmer's body, not a Hulk's body, because he doesn't need all the muscle. Because well, he, he, both of them don't he, need the muscle. He wasn't classically drawn as being right. all that big until the more modern era. It was more in the probably the eighties they started really building on the muscle, making him much bulkier. Yeah, Batman's human. He needs to pump the weights to keep up right. with these people. He's right. the guy who's sitting there doing the crunches. Right. Superman and Diana just have to breathe the air. Right. I agree. I agree. So, I know, yeah, I remember those criticisms when Gal Gadot was cast. I, well, well, I, I never saw much is, stock in them. They, they, mean, no, like they it, mean nothing. Yeah. They're silly. Um, and this she proves looks it. amazing. And, you know, big or small, it means nothing. She's athletic. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It worked. The action sequence yeah. really convinced you. And uh, the effects are great. The now, qu- quibble of, la- of the end of the movie, yeah. too many effects. 
It, perhaps, it, perhaps. It, now, another interesting thing, talking about the, the Themyscira scenes, at mm-hmm. the point that she's finally, you know, they agree to train her and then it jumps ahead. And I guess Patty Jenkins has said that she sees Diana in her mind. She's like 800 or 1,000 years old. I agree. We have no sense of how much time's gone by on Themyscira, you know, from her going from a little girl to the adult that's now kicking ass. Right. I, I felt like it was, uh, I felt like she was old. Yeah, and, and when she starts talking about the things she's read and all that, you definitely have a sense of someone who is definitely, yep. you know, she knows not hundreds in their of 20s. languages. She knows hundreds of languages, which right. is also another amazing uh, scene when she says, "Oh, yeah. that's ancient Sumerian and uh, right. Aramaic or whatever." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, I love that. and everybody's like, great. "What? Does anybody in this room and read that?" And she speaks it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of amazing touches in it, and uh, then you know, again at the end when it starts to then turn into the battle between her and Ares. Mm. Uh, so, so, so let's talk so a little bit. Let's it, back it, up a little bit. Let's talk about like Ares. Lot, it, well, it felt like an injustice. It felt like it felt like well, a lot of CGI, and I don't know how you do that that fight sequence without it. Right. Which again just goes to two people. It felt like the doomsday fight in a, in a well, sense. Well, no. What, what, what you're really saying is that it just felt like the typical you have to have the big battle scene at the end of the movie with the big CGI. And it was what it was. Um, what I want to talk about real quick is I want to talk about that plot line, the Ares, the God thing, all that, um, particularly in terms of the DCEU. Okay. Um, you know... In Man of Steel, we had speculated, and look, Zack Snyder's whole thing is has imagery. been no, his whole thing has been this more real world feel to these movies, and that's why it was so dark, is what he was arguing. And an aspect of that, that you know, going back to talking about Marvel, you know, we had all wondered early on, like with Thor, they didn't really push the godliness; they pushed the signs of it. So I was wondering, you know, we, there was a lot of speculation. After Man of Steel, that the Atlanteans and the Amazons would have been, you know, would have been delineated down from uh, the Kryptonians. Right. So I thought it was very interesting. They just flat out went, nope, gods. Yeah. They just did it. <laughs> no, the Senate of gods. Yeah. Zeus made it out of clay. Enjoy. Right. right. Well, and then, then they did the new 52 thing that Azarello introduced, that the clay was bullshit, that she's actually the daughter of Zeus by Apollo, so mm-hmm. she's not clay, but she's still a demigod, you know, and... Interesting, this whole only a god can kill a god and Ares actually killed everyone, including Zeus. That's never been done before. And now Ares is seemingly dead. But we are left with the idea of, you don't know that they're all dead. They could be demigods out there. They could be all kinds of things. So there are other godly issues, which, and classically in the comics, Diana deals with that. And I think that, you know, you saw enough imagery in that tapestry of gods for Aquaman. Mm -hmm. You see Poseidon holding the trident. Right. uh, And we'll see how... Aquaman deals with that because I bet there will be some at least a temple of Poseidon the right. Poseidon imagery well, the, that kind of stuff well, going by on by the way and you, like, you're wondering what, oh they killed Ares well if you haven't been reading Raka's recent run in the comics they've directly dealt with this idea that Ares' sons are trying to take over his mantle so mm-hmm. like if there's other demigods out there someone else looks to step in and be the god yeah, of war yeah Zeus may not have been the only one who procreated right, right. exactly why would he have been mm-hmm uh, so, so there's a lot. There's a huge tapestry to pull from. You know, there's a lot of potential for sequels and all of that. And it doesn't necessarily have to because they did such a great job on the framing device here. It doesn't yeah. necessarily have to deal in the modern age. Not at all. It can. Now, now, it can now, jump yeah, around. As a fanboy, I was a little bit like, oh, what are these new powers? Where you know she does the blast crossing, 
the you know the, uh, the, the bracelets, the ra- yeah. and then you know, and then she's absorbing the lightning and throwing it back and all that. But ultimately, if she's gonna, the daughter of the god of lightning. I was about to say, yeah. if you're going to make her godly, uh, I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder how quickly we're going to get that in the comics. But you know, but uh, I don't hate it. It was just different. Uh, what I really liked is I really liked the idea that as she's using the abilities, as she's feeling these needs, she's starting to step into it. It's about belief. You know, the first moment when she jumps over to the tower because she's going for the sword and she's basically missing and, and discovers... She drops. Oh, so she... she wasn't super strong before and suddenly she is because she suddenly needed to be. Right. And she's just she's slowly discovering this stuff. You know, on the battlefield, she's so, slowly realizing, you know, even, you know, on Themyscira, they get shot. Mm-hmm. She gets injured. Right. But then suddenly, you know, in London, she goes and she's doing the bracelets against the bullets, you know? Suddenly she's fast enough because she just it's just developing as it goes. All the way up until finally with Ares, she's Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. She's, she's now hitting that power set. She's picking up tanks and throwing them and all that. Um, what... It's, I mean, now she's the fan favorite going into Justice League, I have to believe. Absolutely, no question. Like, go, Justice League comes out in November, December? November. November. Look, look, wait, coming out of Dawn of Justice, we all loved her. Yeah, she's, I mean... I mean, literally, the, the everything you said just, wrong yeah. about that movie, I said she was great. She's she awesome. was perfect. Yeah. You know? We had, you know, we had pluses and minuses on Affleck. Uh, the writing. Yeah, is what you know. Right, Ben did a ben he did a great ben, job. Yeah. but we just loved her. And I love. And, and I love this. I love Henry Cavill. I love that he joined the Mission Impossible franchise. I I, I just love Henry Cavill. Yeah. Did you Did you see uh, Man from Uncle? I did. I thought it was awesome. And if there's any chance for that movie to get a sequel, I want it to get a sequel. You've heard those rumors. I have. Man from Uncle may be getting that. somehow a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Well, love it. And um, what was uh, was it? Were they talking about Army Hammer for Shazam? Who was Not sure. Saying? I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, The Rock is Black Adam. Right. Which is pretty awesome casting. Because Army, would, he would make a good, you know, the adult Billy Captain Marvel. Well, he was one of, he, Army Hammer was one of those that you'd always heard in rumors for Superman. Not rumors. He was cast. He was cast. In, in, in oh, yeah. He was yeah. cast in the one. George Miller. In the George Miller version. Yeah. That's right. And who was, who was going to be Batman in that one? Uh, I, have, do you have that George Miller script? It's been floating around. A, fr- a friend of mine has it, and I know if I just had, wanted to, to, to read it because. Yeah. But when are you going to read it? Right, right. <laughs> when are you going to read it? I, but, I honestly don't recall who who they had cast as Batman, but it was, there, was, uh, there was so much wrong with that that I'm you know yeah. I didn't hate it, and you know what? As these movies don't materialize, admit you would have loved to see it. You would love, I mean, five, six, seven years removed. I mean, that was during the strike of 10,000. That was 10 years ago, that strike. Yeah, yeah. 10 years removed from that movie, nine years removed from that movie now. I, I certainly you would have gone, liked to have it, seen it. It's a different time. You know? Anyway. Adam Brody is the a, Flash. A, anyway, the, the thing about this movie is it's probably premature to say, okay, they finally righted the DCEU. Mm-hmm. You know, the problem with the DCEU from the beginning has been there's not been a singular vision. Um, when supposedly they brought Jeff Johns in to have kind of a figure role, but I think that the movies we've seen up until now was a little too late. I, I don't know how much influence he had on this movie. Right. You know? Um, the, basically, the problem with the DCEU movies is Warner Brothers as a studio is very director-friendly, very creative-friendly, which normally is, can be a good thing. 
But when every single director is just doing their whatever the hell they want and not really looking at you know the part of me for this word, but the sanctity of the source material, and and that's important here because the sanctity of the source material allows for a continuity of vision between all the movies. In Superman, you're arguably the biggest one and the most important one to creating a Justice League. He can't be morally ambiguous. Right. He has to leave Smallville. He can be morally ambiguous when he's Clark back in Smallville growing up and he's discovering it and Jonathan Kent is setting him straight. But the second he when he's his, set straight, yes. But and then, once yeah. he's set straight and he puts on yeah. those tights and he's Superman, yeah. he's, a, he's got it. Listen, I, I, said, I said this to you back when we reviewed Man of Steel. I'm sorry, when we reviewed Donald Justice. As for all the issues with Man of Steel, I was so frustrated in that doomsday fight You've heard all the notes, all that. Wouldn't it have been so simple for just throw a couple of Superman saving civilians in the middle of that fight? Wouldn't well, that, that have done the, it? And that was the argument at the end of Man of Steel as well. Right, but I'm saying, that was yeah. issue Man of Steel. So, so let him have learned it now. Yeah. Instead of ignoring it. Well, He's it, still it, killing people instead in, in Dawn of Justice. Instead, Batman leads Doomsday to Gotham instead of just going to get the spear and taking it to the isolated yeah, planet. Yeah, we get it. Remember, yeah. it's like, Doomsday's on this isolated island. It's like, I'll lead him to Gotham. Wait, wait, wait. How right. much do you hate Gotham, right, Batman? Right. Like, how much do you not want to fix Gotham? Gotham killed his parents. Gotham killed his parents, and he's not going to forgive it by going right. to get the sphere. And they never show that that image of him dropping Ma Kent off from the Batwing. So I'm guessing during that entire Martha. yeah during that entire fight with Doomsday, Martha's trying to get her seatbelt off so that she can get out of the battle. Like she's still in the plane. She's still in it. He never drops her off. They crash land. Doomsday shoots the plane down. They crash land. I think Martha's still in there. He, he bad ejected her. Yeah, like, like, come on, man. She, yeah, there just needs to be a couple shots of her trying to get her seatbelt off while, while, while Doomsday's <laughs> running around. Come on, help. I'll go get the fucking spear. What the hell were you thinking? So, so anyway, back to Wonder Woman. So, so it was interesting. I mean, I kind of saw it coming that the God Killer was going to be hard, not the sword. But we, the, we, we, you saw oh, wait, it coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. I did. I did. Yeah. But, but, but they destroyed the sword, but she has it in Dawn of Justice. It, it's an ancient, you know, ornate sword. Like it's not like you just go ahead and make another one. But Ares can summon all these pieces of metal and recreate new blades. And Diana's got these powers at least equal to, if not greater than his. She can make a new sword. Okay. Yeah. Does she go back to Themyscira between now and the events? That, and that, that, that's, that's an interesting question. Maybe I, they forge another I, sword in those forty, fifty, you know, sixty, you know, eighty years, ninety years, you know, hundred years. Ruck's recent run, they did a, bit, a big thing about it. You can't actually just find it. But in this movie, it's like, well, it's clouded. But if you happen to be on a boat and you float in, then boom, there you are. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason she can't just go back. I mean, it's really unclear what she's been doing. Like, again, why does she care about the picture? What, is she, what was she even doing back in man's world that she actually makes a statement? 100 years she's been out, but she's just roaming around now? Like, I don't get it. I need another movie. She's working the Louvre. Yeah, I guess. I need, I need another movie. Would you like to see Patty Jenkins do the sequel Absolutely. as well? Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting with... Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to... Maybe the word is reactionary, but seeing how the DCU, EU is evolving in almost a reactionary fashion where they say, okay, well, we're a little down. Let's put some humor... Let's make sure to have humor in the Justice League trailer. You know what I mean? We're really guy heavy, and this is and everybody loved Wonder Woman. Let's really make sure that Wonder Woman's knocking the knocking the you know out of the park. Uh, what is this going to look like in the, by the time another Wonder Woman comes out? You know what I mean? With, with the with the Marvel 
film trajectory, you can kind of see the design and you kind of see things building right. too, especially when they're posting things that far out and saying, hey, like, here's Thanos as a big bad. And the big bad may just work with some of the contracting negotiations of recasting the actors, reforming a new Avengers team, et cetera, et cetera, maybe expanding towards Mar- Captain Marvel and having Black Panther and maybe putting the focus on different heroes as we go back and forth. Uh, and I mean, on, just on the drive over here, I was thinking about that scene in Iron Man 2 where he picks up the prototype shield mm-hmm. and how excited we got. And we're like, oh my God, and just thinking like, oh man, how far have we come? Well, but along the same trajectory that we saw, we saw this trajectory being built. What's the trajectory for the DC and, you know, uh, you, you know, what would it even look like when, when we have another well, Captain? Well, well, let me say Wonder this, you know, I made this comment to you when we reviewed Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and that's that Marvel does this great job of these Easter eggs, but what really frustrates me is they do these Easter eggs and then they throw them out. Mm-hmm. They do them and then they go, and never mind, and they act like they didn't happen and they do something else. Give me a couple of examples. The shield in Iron Man 2, which was not the shield. Right, but you can you know, see how Howard Stark would have had that. You're thinking it was just a prototype of one that he did and he had a different one. Right. But, you know, we're, we're led to think it's actually the shield. You know, the big one that we just talked about was the him cocoon in the first Guardians, which Captain ended up Adam. not being the cocoon. Yeah, like uh, end up not being Adam's yeah. origin, right? Yeah, so that one frustrated the hell out of me. Um, the back and forth on the Mandarin, though I think that Hail to the King established that no, it, it really is a Mandarin. Mm-hmm. You know, but will we actually ever see it? God, I'd love to. Yeah, love to see it, a Mandarin. Yeah. Um, it, it seems unlikely. But again, now. you're talking about I mean, like that's Easter what you eggs. wanted Iron Man three to be, and it wasn't. You're talking about like Easter eggs being course corrected or, or well, like smoothed out. We call just them Easter smoothing eggs, them out. But there's references to things that, you know from the comics that the fanboys recognize. And then they go and they do plot lines that are just not at all what they already sort of set up. Like, eh, like the presentation know, we'll of the Ten cool. Rings of the Mandarin in the very first yeah. Iron Man, which all of us went crazy for. Went crazy. Because that would have been awesome. Yeah. And it also would have been uh, a pretty modern statement on what we're living through now. Yeah. You know, it would have it worked. Um, again... It was the Ten Rings as metaphor, and yet maybe they would really be rings, maybe they wouldn't be. Right. Again, now that we're seeing these DCEU movies starting to come out in quicker succession, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what is it going to look like well, when we get well, another one movie? Th- th- this brings me back to... what do we have coming? What do we have no, coming? Wait, wait, wait. Jonathan, this brings me back to the point about that creative vision. I don't know. How involved is John's? Is this being steered? It's, that's still not clear to me. Right. Um, I'm hopeful Justice League is next. Yeah. You know, so definitely hopeful. We have Aquaman. You know, uh, Aquaman. um, Flash to trying to figure out a director. Second Justice League. I think we get... We're going to see Flash before Second Justice League. I'm not sure about that. Okay. Is that the case? I'm not sure. And then... I mean, weren't they shooting both at once? I think so. So you'd think that it would be JLA once, Justice League once. Flash now doesn't have a director, so they're clearly not shooting that yet. so, So who knows? Um, the, wor- the word I've been hearing is the Shazam movie's been put on hold, but they might do Black Adam first because of the Rocks of Star and all that. And sure. Who really cares about Shazam? Um, you care well, about Shazam. Yeah, well, rumor I heard is for Man of Steel 2, because Dawn of Justice is and isn't Man of Steel 2, right. um, that you might get Black Adam as the villain. That'd be cool. That'd magic be- versus... Mag- exactly. And someone strong enough to fight him. Let's see if we can reconfigure that Lobo versus Superman script that was about to on Hollywood a few years ago right, right. And, and throw him in there. Um, 
Well, that's. What, what, I, I what, don't what, see that as a reconfigure. That's two completely different characters, I know. With different motivations. It'd be fun, right? Yeah. I, I love that Lobo in it. Um, here's an idea. It's just fanboying, because obviously you have. Uh, it even became a lawsuit at one point. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the similarities between Superman and Captain Marvel, right? That, you're absolutely right. And there was a lawsuit at yeah, one point yeah. because the characters are so similar. Um, what about a Marvel family movie? Well, that, that's you know that, what I mean, that, where, no, where you have a Captain Marvel that, movie, that, but that, it's really about the, the that. That's the point. The point is that I think they feel that because then it wouldn't be a Superman clone. They they have well, exactly, but they have the Rock. They have Dwayne Johnson for Black Adam. People are interested in him. Mm-hmm. People don't really care about Shazam. I mean, fanboys. Do, we do. He's yeah. not that big a character, so I think the thinking is to introduce him maybe through Black Adam that way, and then ultimately do it. And yes, of course, I'd love to do the whole Marvel family, but so you introduce it, and maybe but that's a different story. There. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's a very a, different story. Yeah, I mean, that's a different story, and that would allow it to be something other but, but, than but if, if you think this guy who's kind of like Superman. If you think about it, you can introduce Captain Marvel as you do the yin yang of. of Billy Black Bats. Adam. Yeah. Okay. Got, you know? it. Got it. You could bring Black Adam in first, and then bring Billy Batson in to then get the power of Shazam. We still have a, a cyborg movie. I don't know that why. they're trying to do. I don't know why. Um, I mean, I hmm. do know why. But why? Honestly, I hate this, but I, I think they're pushing a cyborg movie just because they put because you know, it's a diversity character they have. Okay. I you mean. Know? Um, now, I love the character, but it's the same thing with the book. I don't think... Look. Does he have any iconic storylines? No. Because it's like the exactly. problem with the, the ghost... The point is that Cyborg, yeah. Cyborg was a character that was part of the new Teen Titans. Sure. With the new 52, they went... And, and again, I hate to sound jaded this way, but they said, well, what characters do we have that you know actually work for the sake of diversity? Let's just pull Cyborg out of the Teen Titans and stick him in the Justice League. Right. Even though everybody's screaming, John Stewart, John Stewart, John right. Stewart, John Stewart. But 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 they were trying to get back to you know the basics, so they so they went with Hal. Right. So therefore, how do they do it? So they made Cyborg in the Justice League. There aren't aren't any you know major storylines that demand it, and you know now now they you know has his own book. It's okay. But if he controls you know? the mother boxes, if he can communicate with the no, mother boxes, then he actually becomes a really important thing. part of the Justice League. No, he becomes an important part of the overarching apocalypse storyline. Sure. But that doesn't mean he needs his own movie. Uh, Green Lantern Corpse. There's been rumors about a Green Lantern Corpse. I would like yeah. to see, yes. That'd be awesome. Uh, put Ryan Reynolds back in it. Old time's sake. I'd be fine with it. I don't think I got the <laughs> I love to, him. But, um, <laughs> you know, well, no, that's just it. No, I mean, I think it's more than rumors. Like that, that's what they've said they're going to do instead of. A Green Lantern Corps movie, to right? Deal with the whole, oh, should it be how? Should it be John Stewart? Let's just do all of them. Right. You know, I mean, how awesome will it be? Because, you know, we were never going to get the movie alone. But to actually get John Stewart, Guy Gardner, Kyle Rayner, and Hal. You're so excited. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> I'm actually loving the comic right now because it's uh-huh. Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, and it's all of them together, and it's awesome. It's like a, po- a police precinct. Yeah. Bring Simon Baz in. Let's do it all. Just love Simon everybody. Baz. I do love Simon Baz. I've always liked that character a lot. Um,. Yeah, a Green Lantern core character would be really good. So no, so, so supposedly we're going to get that. Look, you know, as bad as the Green Lantern movie was, I liked the core. It's sitting on my Blu-ray shelf. You know? And I thought uh, Mark Strong was he, awesome. He looked the part. He was great. Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, the, the, but there was script issues with that movie. Sure. But when it but opened... The, the, the casting was good. The casting was awesome. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so final thoughts on so, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. The movie's great. It, you know what it is? Is It's uplifting. And that's the yeah. thing. Going back to this, Patty Jenkins, she understood what the message was. Part of the pathos you get from, from Steve Trevor is that he teaches her. Mm-hmm. He teaches her about humanity. And I mean, I think that, you know, we, we touched on this before, but it's this, cre- this, I think it's a really critical point. She had this idealized idea of man and that, oh, and Aries, you know, uh, affects him and does this. And if you think about it, it's sort of thinking as mankind as children. Yeah, like, it, it was a black themselves. and white view, right? Yeah, they, they don't make their own decisions. But you know what I thought was really interesting about the movie is, did, did you see how Judeo-Christian it was? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah. I mean, Ares is the serpent in the garden. Like, the, the, it, it was so metaphorically was completely that. Right? Wasn't it? Yeah. You eliminate the, the original sin and suddenly, you know, man is, man is good. But... Right. But, but ultimately... It's gone too far. Exactly. Exactly. So, I, I just... I really liked the lesson that, no, you know, we're flawed and we, you know, but we can be better. It's not black and white. It's mm-hmm. not, oh, Ares is trying to push the black and white view of they don't deserve you and come with me and let's just wipe them out and all that. No, because you have your Steve Travers. What's his plan after that happens? I know, right? Like, well, what, <laughs> what is the world after? Let's just destroy everything. First of all, if you want to destroy everyone, well, suddenly you're so powerful. Can't you just kill everybody? Was he only made powerful by the presence of Diana, though? It didn't seem that way to me. It seemed like he could have just enacted his plan all along. Well, at any time, if he wants to destroy the world, why couldn't he just start killing everybody? Who's well, going to stop him? Because oh, I thought that, that his power was linked to her coming into her own. I didn't feel that I thought way. that was implied early on in Sarah, thought, no, which the was... The implication was that he would come he find, will find her, her because it would draw him out. Sure. But he said, correct me if I'm wrong, I only saw it once, but he's enacting this plan, Okay. He's giving power because it was like a game. Right, but I st- and, and, and I still have that trouble with that one scene where Steve right. Trevor's like, gotta go off the phone, and it's kind of a comedy bit right. with Ares, the God of War. Right. <laughs> but, but even the whole thing, like, yes, I thought it was good that, you know, Ares was giving Dr. Poison, you know, the formulas and all that. Sure, you know, sure. And sending all that stuff, but, you know, yeah, but, but ultimately you get to, like, what, what's the whole point of all the subterfuge? If you want mankind destroy, then won't you just do it? But that's just it. Because in the comics, all right, here's what it is, I think. That I don't think it did a great job of explaining. In the comics, as the god of war, he is empowered by the belief in him. Mm. And as war, they don't have to be worshipping him directly, Ares, but if they worship war, if They're they acting all as warlike, service. that makes him more powerful. Uh-huh. So while it wasn't overtly said in the movie, I think that that's what the idea is. So why is he pushing it, for an armistice in that, it seems? Because he knows it's going to fail. I, I felt, and that was my, my thought right away, is it's sort of a clever thing. If you're the guy pushing it, you know, the effort to get to the point, to get to the brinkmanship sort of, of you know, you're right at the brink of, you know, war or not, and then to actually... Then have the war, isn't it worse? Sure. It's like you've built up, you know, you're climbing, scaling that mountain to fall down, you're mm-hmm. great adepts. Right. You know, I mean, I just, I, I think that's the game. It's to have the, the big disaster happen upon the signing of the armistice, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull it from the jaws of defeat. Right. 
or just defeat from the jaws of victory, really. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, it was interesting that, you know, she comes in, it's already pretty late in the war, so we didn't really see all the things, and that's just it. One, once I was watching the movie, you know, knowing a bit about history, I kind of felt like, oh, you know, World War One is perfect because all these things happen in the world mm-hmm. to lead to World War I happen. So this idea that whether they really, you know, explicitly told us, you know, that he did all these things or not, this idea that, you know, this god of war could have been manipulating all these events to get us to this point, mm-hmm. you know, to make that happen, you know, is great and brilliant. And it's better that it's World War One because World War Two actually happens in large measure as a result of World what happened War. in World yeah. War One. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think it was great. Um, I think that was very clever. Final thoughts on the movie. As I said, I loved it. I want to see it again, and um, I, uh, I, I think there's no question there'll be a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder where they set it, you know. And I, I think that is that a pun? Know, what's that? Is that a pun? What? <laughs> I just said well, you wonder where you'll set it. Oh, go. Is that a pun? Uh, no. Um, and I, I, I'm a little disappointed. As much as I think it gave the movie a great pathos, and I saw it coming a mile away that Steve Trevor had to die. Mostly because what else is going to leave her heartbroken, you know, a yeah. hundred years later? Yeah, he needed um, to go. And he but, was so awesome. I love, but, I love Chris Pine but, and everything. But, but, but as you said, I mean, had he not died, you could have had him in out of candy. And, you know, I mean, fine. 20 years later for World War II? You sure. could have done it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it starts to, yeah, it starts to turn a little yeah, or, piggy or, Carter. Or, or, could, or, or it didn't happen in World War II. You could have just had their adventures, you know, in the 20s. Sure. You know, dealing with other stuff. So I, I think that, you, you know, you, I think we're losing something really fundamental to what was great about this movie in the sequel. But, you know, I, you know, Patty Jenkins, I have faith in her. Yeah, I figure whatever... Uh, and they're crazy if they don't get it back. W- yes. Whatever asset that Steve Trevor, Trevor was to this movie, and he was a huge asset to this movie, yeah. um, they're going to figure out how to do it again. If, if, I mean, this team is talented, so I loved it. Yeah. He, um, he was above average. <laughs> yeah, Chris Pine was above average, and that char- the writing of that character was very much above average. Writing of the whole movie was the movie's really damn good, yeah. and uh, it's such a breath of fresh air. And we want nothing more than to have these movies succeed. So I know that I was a bit pessimistic going into this movie because because it was go it was getting such good reviews there at the end, and I just was, I, my heart had been broken so many times that I said, you know what, I'm matinating this one, but you know what, going forward, Wonder Woman two is not going to get the matinee treatment All right. because this one really, really, really uh, knocked it out of the park. It was awesome. We'll it was an incredible celebration. Uh, of course, we're going to have Ian back for Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yeah. We got that going on yeah, yeah. in July. Yeah. Before Comic-Con, after Comic-Con, during Comic-Con. It's before Comic-Con. It's, it's, I think uh, it's a week or so before, right? Yeah, I think it's a week or so before. It could be the 8th. I yeah. would like to think. I think that um, Dunkirk comes out during Comic-Con. Dunkirk does come out during Comic-Con, so... Warner's will be steering clear of that one uh, of Spider-Man. With, with uh, it's it's not a bad time to, to program Dunkirk. Yeah, I think so. Um, but, but yeah, Spider-Man I think is going to be. I think that's July eighth or so. Something like that, yeah. Um, or the following weekend, which is still a week before Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spider-Man: Homecoming is the next big comic book movie. Yeah. Then you and I have got the Defenders. Oh yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Uh, Punisher. And, 
When does Punisher hit? Punisher's going to also be this year. I think Defenders is August and Punisher's like November or something like that. But November's going to get busy for us, Ian. Because listen, listen. I'll, I'll do them. Defenders. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, which is League. so awesome. And I got to tell you, Ian, I'm so behind on my comic book reading. I'm just now reading the unworthy Thor. Oh, so the good. Jason Aaron stuff so with good. Oliver Koypel's artwork. So good. Dude, when I've, I'm loving it. And I'm kind of glad that I held those issues Till now to read, and I was like, "Wait, what happened in Original Sin again?" Oh yeah, yeah. The Thor is okay, awesome. let's go. And um, do you love Thori? I'm uh, I'm only two issues into it, so uh, he's about to, you know but, had, he's still had, in the hands of the you, collector. Had, had you read the Loki stuff before with Thori or not? Yes. Okay. So I'm ready to go, and I'm I'm enjoying this uh, this this mini issue before I jump myself back into the Mighty Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Um, Obviously, Wonder Woman is going to be one of my top movies of the year. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. It looks so good. Looks great. So and I have nothing but the most like, confidence in that team. Am I going to see Money? Mummy. The Mummy. Or Ethan Hunt meets the Mummy? Listen, <laughs> that one I'm going to have to hold off on your review, sir. Uh, for now, okay? If you like it, we'll talk. Um, Geekscapist. Love having you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, again, visit lootcrate.com slash geekscape and put in geekscape for a discount on your order. We love Loot Crate. And the Stowe Story Labs. If you guys put in Geek Lab, you get 15% off your application fee. And if you're a screenwriter, definitely uh, go to the website for the Stowe Story Labs and read about what they do because uh, I've been twice and it's really, really, really uh, changed my writing and helped a lot. Uh, and, I, and I see the results, which is fantastic. Uh, and so again, that discount for the Stowe Story Labs is Geek Labs, and uh, the application deadline is in July, so you're going to want to get on that one. Um, we're at Geekscape.net. Uh, we have uh, a couple other podcasts, one of which I guested on this week. I guess uh, I think hosted with Adam Lemus and Josh Jackson a Geekscape game special episode talking all about Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, which I'm in love with. It may be my favorite video game of all time. And I know our friend Justin and I are addicted to it. Uh, so there's so much going on at the Geekscape Network. Matt Kelly sat down with two of the Monster Squad members on a, you know, for a bit on, uh, on um, uh, Horror Movie Night. It's our horror podcast. And there's just a ton of stuff going on at the Geekscape website. So please, please, please subscribe, share, leave a review for your favorite show, and tell your friends all about it. Uh, we're going to Comic-Con. And you guys are coming with us. So keep listening, keep subscribing, and we're going to listen to you guys. You're going to listen to us, and we're going to hear from you uh, next time. So thank you. Ian, last words to our friends. Keep reaching for the stars. Keep reaching for the stars, friends. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Ian. Until next time. Bye.